praise the Lord.
again thank you for your son our Lord Jesus that you sent into this world to pay the ultimate sacrifice for sins Lord when we think of our calling the very concept of election and predestination and the work that you're working in our lives to bring us all to a spiritual maturity and to anticipate the promises that lie ahead. We thank you, Father, for our Lord Jesus. We praise and give you thanks that he made the greatest sacrifice where, uh, in which we can be saved and be, be cleansed and become sons of God. Lord, we thank you. There's not enough human words to describe or the gratitude that lies in our hearts. Well, we give you thanks, Father. Today, in a special way, we want to thank you for these past 41 years that we spent in Canada and for the way you have helped us. Bless this little service we have today, Father, and continue to strengthen our hearts and our minds as we move ahead. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Just before I ask Nadine to sing one of my favorite songs, another one of my favorite songs... I um, just want to say a few things, and I'll ask, I will ask at the, when I'm finished there to ask Sister Chandra to come and say a few words. In 1980, January, we had just gotten status in the United States, resident status, um, and um, we had just moved into the United States, I think it was in late part of 1979, and 
the Lord opened a way and we felt like we were supposed to come to Canada. We were sent up here by Brother Lloyd Goodwin and uh, to pastor a small group of saints that were uh, part of a little gathering together at that time. And if I could remember well, there are six or seven of those saints still in our midst after 41 years. Some have passed away, some are gone, but there was but there's still about six individuals that's still there. Uh, during these past 41 years, we have seen a lot of changes and a lot of moves that we have made. Uh, we have moved, when we came on in, the church was in a little storefront in College Street in Toronto. And I'm trying to make this all as short as possible. And uh, while we stay there, we made that little storefront into a dollhouse. Uh, the window uh, showcase out in front, we had our books and, and uh, religious literature uh, line up there. We renovated the inside of the building. And every time we did a little renovation, the landlord would lift the, raise the price. And so we stayed there for a little bit, and then we moved to a Presbyterian church on a street called Dufferin Street, and we stayed there for quite a few years. Uh, we were in the basement section of that church, but it was bigger than the College Street facility. And when we had a meeting or a convention or anything like that, uh, the, the folks there that had church maybe once per week, and in the summer they had three, three months a break, uh, we were able to use their upstairs facilities. And so it was a wonderful experience that we had. One of the things I remember telling the saints, and I felt the Lord laid that upon my heart, was that when our spirits are right, God would move us out of that basement church and move us to better facility. And uh, from that time, a facility came available in uh, Jane Street, our little church, small church. And they were selling it. The bank was selling it for $32,000. And we only had, we were all immigrants. No one owned the house. We had about $10,000. Uh, we had $15,000. And all we needed was $10,000 from the bank uh, to buy that little property in Jane Street. Well, the bank refused to give us because none of us had collateral. Uh, we were all foreigners. We were all immigrants. And so I got upset with the bank, took our few dollars out, and I found a different bank. Long story short, from there, the Lord opened up a way that we found this little church on Kenmuir Avenue, uh, which was just um, a plain uh, oblong box, uh, no, uh, no fancy architect structure on the outside. It was just a plain old box. And we got that, and we were so happy when the Lord worked a few miracles out and caused us to own that church. We put a steeple up in front, poor John, made that little box into a dollhouse. We loved every moment of it. In that little building, there were major lessons that God gave us while we were there. I remember one of the predominant lessons uh, that we learned like Dufferin Street, we learned that when our spirits were right, God would move us ahead. And it depends on how we are that God would bless or bring a judgment in our lives. Well, in Canmure, one of the things 
uh, remember <clears throat> your attitude, the message that we were uh, promoting, a very main thought that I remember at Ken Muir uh, Avenue Church was uh, the, your attitude. Choose your attitude and change your life. Gotten from a little booklet that I was reading at that time. And it showed that your attitude is everything. Well, God was with us. We stayed there for a few years, and in three years, we paid off for that building, which was only 700 square foot. 700 square foot, and that had a little dining room downstairs, and that was it. And from there, God moved us into this present facility that we occupy right now. From a 700 square foot building, we moved to a 7,000 square foot building. And it was like jumping seven steps ahead of what we could afford to move. Many, many miracles, many dreams and miracles, God led us all the way. When I look back at everything that transpired in my life, and Sister Chandry's life, and Nadine's life, over the years, everything we did was ordained of God and directed by God. I'm in the ministry not because someone chose me and sent me out. I'm here because I believe God selected me. And that is why today my mind is open up to what God places on the inside. And when God gives me a thought and he gives me a message, uh, it could be the entire universe come against that message. I will preach it the way I feel God wants me to preach it. I could have a whole fellowship challenge me on what I believe. If I feel God has given me that message, I will preach it the way I feel it ought to be preached. So that is putting a lot of things in a nutshell. Take a big nut to really trace our history. But we've got so much to give God thanks for. But more than ever, apart from giving God appreciation and thanks, I want to thank the saints that stood with us over the years. Some... Uh, traveled all the way from Guyana to be with us. Uh, some were here when we came to Canada to were part of the church. And I appreciate every effort of every saint that accompanied us on this long wilderness journey. I thank God for the staff, uh, the dining room staff, the office staff, the nursery staff, the ushering staff, both uh, sisters and brothers. I thank God for every effort that's made, the elders that's work, that worked along with me over the years. And why I really appreciate God for these individuals, I'm not an easy person to get along with. When I said not easy, I could be very blunt and unapologetic. If I feel you're doing something wrong, I'll tell you you're doing something wrong. I never took a Dale Carnegie course and someone got me uh, the book, uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. They got me a copy of it. I also had a copy of um, Christian Counseling, uh, you know, beautiful book, uh, two volumes of Christian Counseling. And I looked at them and uh, put them nice in my library, and they sit there in the library. I did not even feel, felt like I needed to even read a page because I do not want man's ideas to change what God has placed in my life. And uh, thanking God for all the saints and all who have been helpful to me. Well, I thank God today, especially for Nadine, who has been faithful in the music department. 
I remember the first time I told her to take some lessons in piano uh, playing. Uh, we needed a piano player, and I gave her six months. I said, learn to play the body style, uh, gospel rhythm, uh, whatever it was. In six months, Nadine started playing. She never went to, uh, to a, a, a music school or anything like that, but I think she did good. Uh, we didn't want uh, someone with excellent skill. We just want someone that God can touch. And this kid has experienced miracles in her life. Uh, life over the years because she has been faithful to me and the work of God. And I know that is the reason why Nadine is still alive today. And God is with her because she has been faithful to her dad who is in the ministry. A preacher's kid is not always, uh, their life is not really an easy life. But God has been good. And then not to make the, the last but not the least, I appreciate Sister Chandry. Uh, for staying with me all these years. How long are we married now? 50? This year makes 50. What's that? Golden, silver, or what they call it? Golden. This would be 50 years, our golden anniversary. That's marriage anniversary. 41 years is church anniversary in Canada. 50 years, golden anniversary this upcoming June. I hope COVID goes away by then so we can celebrate. Well, we're not big into celebrating. All we need is some Chinese food or something like that, and we are happy. We're simple people. And I thank God that Sister Chandri has been faithful over the years, many, many years, of uh, going through challenges that God brought in her life. Many challenges that God brought in her life. And she took them. Uh, she, like I said to someone, she's like what we used to say about the Timex watch in those days. Uh, not, nowadays, generation wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But in those days, we said the Timex take a licking and keep on ticking. Well, here's a child of God that has been faithful. And now she is more physically active in being a housewife. And being involved with the work of God than she ever was. I look at her and I'm amazed. I look at her this past week and she said, uh, I will make some rolls. And you know, I like bread. We all love bread. And she made some rolls and I, I would not lie to you. The best rolls I've I had in my entire life was what I had this week. And that's no exaggeration. And that is why we all look like rolls after a while. Because she's a good cook, she's a housewife, she takes care of the house, and she does a lot of things for us. So today, um, uh, she has stopped being a great preacher, but um, she's still a good housewife. And I'll ask her to come and stand next to me here and say a few words. Amen. And so we're thankful to God. Our journey went a long way. Our journey went a long way. We remember when we went... Into, uh, into when we came into the States in 1975. Many, many years ago, 1975, uh, we went up to Des Moines for the first time. And we were brand new Guyanese coming out of the raw area of Guyana, toughened and uncouth. Uh, we all be thankful to God that during that period of time when we went into Des Moines, that we were accommodated by a family, Brother Walt and Sister Andriana Johnson, 
open their home for us. Nineveh 
uh, sorry, not Nineveh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, there was not even 10 righteous people in that place. That is why God had to destroy them, unlike Nineveh. Nineveh, they were not pleasing. God was angry with that place. But you know what? When Jonah was sent to preach to those people repentance, even from the king to the smallest one, they called the fast. They were in sackcloth. They were praying. They couldn't eat nor drink until God delivered them. And so God delivered Nineveh. They didn't suffer because they repented. They seek God and they found him. And that is what our problem is. Are we seeking God? Do we pray? Do we really? Can we change the situation? Of course we can. But we are not ready to be that mm -hmm. way. We're not doing it, children of God. Some of us are so comfortable at home, just listening to Brother Singh. We feel, wow, we have church right at home. We don't have to hassle to travel, to go to church. We're getting the messages right at home. And Brother Singh said many, many, many times, if you remember, he said, the day is going to come when you would love to be in this house, you would love to come to church, you would love to hear my voice and see my face, and that day will not come, and that is today. Amen. It is today. And then only a couple services ago, he said another thing. He said, now we're so happy, we're just sitting at home, listening to the streaming and everything else, but he said, it's going to change again. It's not going to be. This, this whole, you know, social media stuff is all going to come to an end. And we still wouldn't be able to come to the church. What will we do then, saints of God? It's just telling us that we really need to get our lives in order. We need to pray. We need to seek God. And we need to change our ways. There is a scripture that Brother Singh always quotes, uh, I think it's in Timothy, it says, uh, For the foundation of God standeth sure. The Lord knoweth. The Lord knoweth them, that are, them his. that are his. And if you, you know, you have, to, you have to depart from this iniquity. We have to depart from our wickedness. We have to change our lives to be able to attain, to be like Jesus. You know, last night lesson, if you listen to it, it was so beautiful about the canvas. I am a canvas if I'm a child of God. You're a canvas if you're a child of God. And the artist is God himself. And he's working on every canvas. And he's painting that picture that he knows is what he wants for us. And it's not going to be like Brother Singh explained it. It's going to be ugly looking if you're watching it. It's going to be, well, what is that? That doesn't even make sense. That's what our lives are like. But that is that period when this artist is working on his picture for every one of us. That sanctification period where he's making us. When this job is complete, when, our, when it's all over, when we've reached the end of our journey, is when this canvas will be completed. And, you know, this is all so beautiful. So, so beautiful. My thoughts are more than my words can say today, but I just want to say how much I appreciate Amen. 
my pastor, and I take his words very seriously. It is hard to take the words of Brother Singh, being his wife, being at home, listening to everything, and it's a, it's a, it's a battle in itself. But I always tell myself, and he always tells me, that when I say something, it is the word of God, and you must listen to it as the word of God. And I have come to that place where everything he says, I take it very, very seriously. Because for me, he is, a, he is my hiding place. He is a covert. The man of God is a hiding place for every one of God's people. And I find him to be my hiding place. And I'm strengthened by the words. I'm so proud that God has given me such a pastor that he can guide my life and, and, and teach me the ways of God. I am so happy to be here today. And I am very grateful. You know, somebody told me the other day that you're living on borrowed time. And I thought about it, borrowed time. I'm not living on borrowed time. No. God has a plan for me. Yes. God has a time. My destination it has a set time. Mm -hmm. And whenever it is, I am ready and willing. But I'm not living on borrowed time. God's not lending me any time. God has an appointed time for me. And I'm just so happy that like Brother Singh said today, I've come through a lot of battles. But today... I am a brave soldier. I'm ready to fight my battles. Amen. I'm ready to do war with the enemy. I'm ready to stand with the man of God. And I am even stronger in my spirit today. Just so happy to be here. And I'm glad that God has given us 41 years of wonderful people. You know we love you. Every single one means something so special to us. And we are very grateful to God today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chandri. That's okay. The, I started to say, I don't choke up easily, but I started to say that we appreciate when God brought us into the United States. Uh, the years we spent, it's not to do with the 41 years we spent in Canada, but the years we spent in Des Moines, housed in, the, in Brother Walt and Sister Andriana Johnson's home, and uh, we were plain old Guyanese. It was not easy to cope with us. We had to learn uh, a more elite way of life and have some discipline measured to our lives. Thankful to God, the first time I met with Brother Lloyd Goodwin and the Des Moines Assembly, it was like when the Queen of the South entered into Solomon's, uh, into Solomon's temple and into Solomon's house. Uh, she saw the sitting of his servants, the attendance of his ministers. Uh, there was such a uniqueness and eliteness about what she saw that there was no more spirit in her. And that is what happened when I was in Des Moines. Remember the first message I heard from Brother Lloyd Goodwin was when he uh, got up there, his Bible closed, and for over an hour he spoke the word of God like I'd never heard anyone ever uh, speak the word of God. And um, uh, I look back and I appreciate all of that. I appreciate everyone that uh, was a part of this journey that we have made unto this day. And I look ahead and I know there are years ahead that the word of God must carry on, must be preached. I love God for everyone. I thank God for everyone uh, locally here in Guyana, 
in the United States, in all the places we have gone to. I thank God for Brother Wedderburn and Sister Tabby Wedderburn that opened their home in Hartford, Connecticut to us over the years. They were really the best people you can meet and the, the hospitality was beyond measure. I cannot curse the bridges I cross on. I appreciate every single individual. The man that led me to the Lord uh, when I was 12 years old, Brother Harry Das, every individual that touched my life was a blessing to me. And I might have moved on in different, a different direction, and I might be preaching an uncompromising gospel, but I thank God for these, all these years. And so I want Nadine uh, to sing another song, one of my favorite songs uh, today before we carry on any further in this service.
understand the process of what God is doing in our lives, how he takes the beggar from the dunghill and makes a prince out of him. The, this process of, like Sister Chanery said today, of God, it's like a painting. You start on a canvas. And if the canvas could talk, it would not even understand what the artist is, is painting. If the paint tubes could understand, they would not understand why it's being splashed up. If the walls around could understand, uh, could try to understand, they will not understand what's really going on on that canvas. But God understands. God understands because he has created mankind for a purpose. And the church is created for a purpose. And even though uh, we are very sometimes over-exclusive in that we carry a feeling that we are the only right people in the world, it is not really the best of attitude. Even Jesus, talking to his disciples, he said, he says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. And sometimes we can be too exclusive in that we feel we are it. And really and truly, there are people around the world that might not be a part of the body of Christ, but they're a part of God's work that in the final resurrection, they will come up and resurrect with immortality. When we understand a little bit of what the end picture is about, it gives us an idea that how God is working to accomplish that. Well, you think about it, I preached a lesson. I preached many, many, many lessons over these years. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of words going forth uh, from this pulpit. And uh, uh, not so long ago, I, I recapped on the importance of, of trying to think like God. Uh, because if I think like a human being and I try to play God, I can never make the right decisions. And that is why for me to rule and reign with Christ, uh, my mind must be subdued from a carnal human mindset, and I must develop the thought pattern of our Lord Jesus, who was created in the very image of God. And this is the process that we're going through in the church in that we must be processed and go through that process. We must start to be able, we must come to that place where we have the Father's name written in our forehead. Now, in the book of Revelation chapter, uh, maybe I'll start from the end of the book and back up a little here, and there's not much. We have 20 minutes for me to bring this all to a conclusion. But in chapter 21, 
of Revelation, it tells us when uh, the, the work on earth is complete, when the church would have accomplished its purpose. And as we look at this journey that God has created for mankind to go through, starting from the creation of man all through the Old Testament, thousands of years of work going on. When I, when I preached a lesson that if I were God, I came up with the conclusion that if I were God thinking like a human being, I will snap my finger and end wars. I will snap my finger and end poverty. I will snap my finger and end hunger and famine. I will make everyone love God. I will make the whole world converted. I will even make the devil converted. I will change everything around, but I'm not God. I think like a human. Instant gratification is what I desire. I like to have things my way. Well, it's not like that. God has all power to do that, but he allows a process of time that we have to live through for him to accomplish his work. The problem with us is that you and I are created within time. God inhabits eternity. I said that yesterday. God lives in eternity. I use the word lives, but I should use the word exist. And that is even a frail human word to describe God because he was never created. I am thinking as a created being. My vocabulary is limited to that of a finite created being. And so God existed, best word I can come up with, prior to time. And then he made time the first day and he, time continues and because he's not subject to time, he is not aging. But he looks at time like a person would look at a, at, at a canvas. And he's looking at the job that must be done. And because he does not occupy time, I can't even think like a human being looking at a canvas. Because God sees the end already. And that is why when Jesus was approached, he being a part of the God family, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And someone says, bad English. No, not bad English, perfect English. Because before Abraham was, Jesus existed. He was the one that created all things. And so when I'm looking at all of this, I'm trying to get an idea as to what God is doing. And so the canvas of our existence, starting from the Garden of Eden, starting from the creation, go back to the creation of the worlds, what existed? Uh, when did the dinosaurs rule, uh, lived on this planet? When did they exist? Uh, how many thousands of years or millions of years the earth is? I don't know. There's so much mysteries beyond my comprehension. And then man came. And we saw Adam, and we saw Eve, and we see Cain and Abel, and we see the generations that follow. Then comes, Abra then comes Abraham, and then comes Isaac, and Jacob, and the nation of Israel was born. Children of Jacob were born, children of Israel. We see that process. We see them coming into existence. We see uh, Joseph being sold as a slave going into Egypt. And uh, spending some time there, uh, you th they say, well, it might have been an accident. His brother should not have sold him. 
And I felt like it should, it was sung like an accident, but it was not all a part of God's plan. The captivity, uh, Israel, uh, Joseph being in Egypt for many years, uh, he becoming a leader in, in Egypt. Uh, there, then his family being carried over to Egypt. Then all Israel went into Egypt. Uh, it was not the ultimate plan, but it was a part of the plan. It was not the finished job. And then they spent uh, over 400 years in the land of Egypt, and they became servants because anytime you're out of the will, perfect will of God, the, not the permissive will of God, but the perfect will of God, you'll not be comfortable. And so we see the exodus, Israel coming out of Egypt, the beautiful story, uh, how the exodus was. They're coming into the land of Canaan. We saw the hassles and the trials and the testings they went through. The life of Moses, the way God prepared him, and how he led Israel out of Egypt uh, in, through the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, it was an amazing journey. All of that could have been avoided if God wanted to. But God, he is not affected by time. So his canvas and a human word canvas is being worked on. And so when you see that Israel went in there and uh, we have the whole, the prophets of the Old Testament coming into reality, uh, whether it was Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or the minor prophets, they all existed right up to the time of Malachi. Then there was that spell of about 500 years where there was no major prophet sent unto Israel because God's people had deteriorated where the blind was offered to God for sacrifice, where their priests were being polluted and the offerings were being polluted. But Malachi went on there. Now, was that an accident? No, it was no accident. Just like man's fall in the Garden of Eden was no accident. All a part of God's plan. Then you see John the Baptist coming on the scene. Israel, uh, religious Israel, went into apostasy. The land, even though filled with information, filled with knowledge of the prophets and the Torah, Israel was in spiritual darkness. An education is, is a wonderful thing to have, but an education is not a spiritual illumination. Israel lacked that. And when God sent John the Baptist, you can see all of this rolling out beautifully. John sent John, God sent John the Baptist. He was, Jesus said, he was a bright and shining light. He says, and you were willing for a season to abide in that light. But Jesus said, I have greater light than that of John. And when you really think about this, John came, he preached, uh, he, he was the forerunner of Jesus. He opened the way, Jesus came. He died. He went back into heaven. He sent the Holy Ghost. The day Pentecost was born. The early church came into existence. And that is why when I look at this Bible, there's a, there's a history here that I'm reading. Uh, you find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, much is said about the life of Christ. But when it comes to the Acts of the Apostles, it starts to show the history of the church. Uh, it was their predominant one moment, and then slowly uh, false doctrine and error and apostasy and iniquity entered into the church. Today we're looking back at 2,000 years uh, of, uh, since the early church got started approximately. 
Well, how many years ahead of us? God knows how many years are still ahead of us. But this is not the end. What we are doing here today is just a continuation of the process that God is working uh, to an end that He has in mind. Now, as human beings, we can only comprehend so much. And we dealt with so many scriptures yesterday to show that God dwells in the light which no man can approach unto. He dwells in that realm which no man can, can really understand. He dwells in a light which no man can see or understand. But what we're looking at is God's plan for the ages. Uh, the, the plan of God, the panoramic view we're taking a look at. And so here in, in the book of Revelation, we're looking at the end result. And in chapter 21 of the book of Revelation, uh, we're looking at uh, what will be the finality as far as the human race is concerned here on this world. It says, and John saw a new heaven and a new earth in chapter 21 and verse 1. It says, a new heaven and a new earth. And we skip a few verses here and it says, and God, verse 4, shall wipe away all tears. There comes a time when mankind would not be uh, be overpowered by sorrow, God will wipe away all tears, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne says, Behold, I, he that sat on the throne says, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words that are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. Who is speaking? Jesus. He says, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto you, that is a thirst, of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I'll be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, uh, a lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. In other words, death will come to an end, because when you really look at uh, in chapter in chapter twenty and verse ten, uh, the, some of these chapters are parallel in chapter tw twenty. And verse 10, it says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. And then verse 14, And death and hell, death itself and hell, uh, were cast into the lake of fire. What is the lake of fire? The second death. When we understand what is the first death, and we understand what is the second death, there will come a kingdom on, in this world. This earth will be transformed into the glorious paradise of God, and there will be a kingdom established on his, this planet. And that is when we look at the end result, we're having a glimpse of the picture that this artist is painting. He gives us a picture, a prophecy that gives you the fulfillment of what God is doing to a certain extent, and I say certain extent because I don't believe that's the end of the canvas and the painting. I believe where the earth is concerned, the earth is once again restored to its uh, position better than it was in the Garden of Eden. 
better than it was because the, those that will be ruling and reigning will not be subject uh, like Adam was to his human nature, to his human feelings. The world will be governed by an immortal being that will sit on this earth. Uh, and if you understand the first death, cessation of life, and you understand the second death, it means after that, uh, death would be eliminated. Uh, uh, the sorrow and, and, and trials and testings would be eliminated, and God will establish the kingdom. Well, for you and I as individuals, uh, Paul is describing this in chapter 14 of Revelation and uh, we don't have a lot of time tonight, time, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this today. But in the book of Revelation, uh, what the Lord is working to accomplish, and that is why we preached a lesson on Wednesday night, pursuing the mind of Christ. Uh, we are to pursue the mind of Christ. It means giving up the way we think, giving up our thought pattern. Uh, it means eliminating theological concepts that have no origin from God. Eliminating political concepts that have no uh, origin from God. Even uh, psychological and, and educational concepts uh, should not govern our mind. Our minds should be governed by the word of God. And it says here in Revelation 14, these are they that have the Father's name. John is saying, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, I looked and lo, a lamb stood among Zion. And with him 140 and 4,000 having the Father's nature. They're thinking like God. Not today. Not today. Today I think like me. I'm trying my best to think like God. But I can't think like the Father. I must be able to follow and develop the pattern that Jesus has set. And that is why I need his spirit. So I can develop the mindset of Christ. Who thinks like the Father. Jesus thinks like the Father, and he does what the father's Father wants. And when you look at this qualification here, and this is what it's all about, we need to qualify like this. Now, I'm going to read it, and you as a child of God, see if you qualify, if you reach this place as yet. It says, and they were redeemed from the earth, verse 4, and these are they which were not defiled with women. Women there is not natural women, by the spiritual system of this world, false religion, false doctrines, false concepts, false ideologies. We need the Holy Ghost genuinely in our midst. Someone says, well, we got the Bible. Yes, I got the Bible. I've got the King James Version. Yes, beautiful, leather-bound, Oxford Bible, King James Version. Well, <clears throat> this was put together by King James uh, they, they, he, under his authority, he had the bishops and the Puritans. Uh, they were able to put their resources together and put the King James Version together. I won't say a lot right now, but King James was from the Church of Scotland. The Puritans were like Presbyterians. And the bishops were basically Catholics. Putting this together and decide what the Greek word should say and what it should mean. That's not really impressing me a lot. And that is why even though I have this book in front of me, I need the author of the book, his spirit to dwell in my life. That when I read it, I can feel in my spirit, this is not right. I don't need the Hebrew. I don't need the Greek. I need the spirit of God. 
to enlighten my mind. I don't need a degree. I don't need a doctorate. I need the Spirit of God to enlighten my mind. These were not defiled with women. That is why Paul needed some time in Tarsus to eliminate the woman out of his mind mentality. And then he concludes here, and I'm concluding, these were not defiled with women, for they are spiritual virgins. Spiritual virgins, no contamination. These are they which follow Jesus. It's not Jesus following their programs. They follow the Lamb. It's not the Lamb fitting into their agenda. And that is why some of you brothers listening to me, you might have a streaming and you might have a Zoom program and Brother Singh might not always join it because I'm trying these days since the pandemic to try to think what God wants me to do rather than what the people want me to do. And I might feel to join a group and I might feel not to join it. I have a message that God has placed in my heart and it will remain that way no matter how great the theologian is that try to teach me otherwise, I preach what I feel God has placed in my heart. Amen. And it goes on further on here. For they are virgins. They followed the lamb whithersoever he goeth. They were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and unto the lamb, unto Jesus. In their mouth is found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now, if you qualify, I take my hat off to you. I don't. I have not yet apprehended that which the Lord has apprehended me for. But this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We give God thanks for his goodness in our lives, and we want to pray that God will continue to bless us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this service. We thank you for your spirit being with us, O oh Father, and for helping us during this service. We thank you for every child of God listening to us, and we pray, Father, that you'll be a blessing. Thank you for the 41 years that we have spent here in Canada. Thank you for all the years, O oh God, that we have served you. And we pray, Father, and commit the future of this assembly into your hands. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.